This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. Evangelism training, pretty much our last week of projects. So uh, I think at this point you should hopefully know everybody in this room. But if you don't know me still, my name is Sam Gersak, and I'm going to be a senior at the University of Louisville. So today, I want us to start thinking intentionally about taking what we've learned in evangelism training here this summer and applying it to our everyday lives when we get back on campus. So like I said, it's really sad, but we only have a couple more days left here at the project. So I think it is extremely important to strive to make sure that the things that we've learned here don't just stay here when we leave. So now I want us to think about ways that we can go back to campus and pursue long-term evangelism and eventually discipleship with others. Same with the next slide. So first, I want to talk about what evangelism actually is. We've been learning about it all summer. We know that it's important. We know that it can be really uncomfortable. But what is it in a nutshell? So for today, I want to think about evangelism in this way. Evangelism is to proclaim the gospel while remembering the goal to bring others to confess Christ as their Lord. To proclaim the gospel while remembering the goal to bring others to confess Christ as their Lord. So now we have this working definition of what evangelism is. How can we go about doing it? So I think there are five general components or different ways of describing evangelism that can help us gain a better understanding of what it truly is and then how we can go and serve God in this way. So I made this really cool funnel diagram. So I have five different components that I was just talking about laid out there. So this is supposed to show you that as you continue to grow in your faith and the desire to share that faith with others, you should be moving farther and farther down the funnel and then growing in the way you think about evangelizing. So we're going to start at the top with witnessing. So witnessing is just telling others about Christ. So through beach evangelism and these trainings the last eight weeks, we have learned the importance of proclaiming the gospel to others. We've learned practical ways that we can do that effectively. But you can also witness to others by seeking to live your life the way we are called to as exiles so that we can reflect Christ and then in turn cause others to look to him. So since it's the top of the funnel, that's supposed to emphasize that we should all be witnessing to others at any point in our faith, whether through doing explicit Bible studies with people or just living your life as an example of Christ. So now we move on to the next one, evangelism being described as personal outreach. So this is just the time that you're spending intentionally with others and sometimes even unintentionally. So during this time, we're going to have the goal of building relationships that can result in gospel conversations. So because we're all on college campuses, that is an amazing opportunity for this personal outreach. So I want to flash back last week to Hannah's hospitality talk. We have so many opportunities on campus for this, whether it's through meals, studying, or larger social events with campus outreach, or just with whoever else. So if we're connecting with others in ways that are centered around the gospel, this can have such an impact on someone's life. And I think all of us have probably been touched in this way just by being involved in campus outreach, whether it was a staff person conducting personal outreach with you, or it was another student. So now it's testifying, which is speaking of your own personal experience with Christ. So when we're pursuing these intentional personal relationships with others, again, we have an amazing opportunity to communicate to them how important the gospel is in our own lives, so personally. So if we're being vulnerable with others and sharing our story, that can be so helpful for people to hear if they can clearly see how the Lord has changed 
your life to the better. So we worked on our testimonies in a couple different workshops. You all probably got pretty used to sharing yours, whether it was through those workshops or just being here at Project and with some of the people. But I want to continue to reiterate the value that a testimony can have in an evangelistic setting as well. During my time as a Christian, um, even just here on Project, hearing the stories of all of you guys, seeing the way the Lord has impacted your lives, has only served to strengthen my faith and help me to love the Lord even more. So now we'll move on to Fishing for Men. You can hit the next slide. So Fishing for Men comes from Matthew 4, 18 through 19. This is where Jesus calls Simon, Peter, and Andrew to be his, to himself, to be his disciples. So let's go ahead and read it. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So, all this to say, when we are evangelizing to others, we should be going out to fish for men. We should be braving the dangers that the depths of the ocean present to us and seeking to pull lost souls to safety in Christ. Fishing for men involves intentionally going out of your way to put the gospel in front of others, with the goal of helping them to develop a personal relationship with Christ that will last forever. So because we're using the imagery of a fisherman, I think that helps us recognize the reality of going out into the world and attempting to essentially reel others into the kingdom through the Holy Spirit. Are you patient? Are you instinctive? Are you willing? These are the marks of a successful fisherman, and they're gonna aid us greatly in our battles to grow God's kingdom for his glory and for the salvation of others. So the next one is on another slide. This is the final piece of the funnel, soul winning. So this comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 and 22 through 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. So Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. This is obviously after his conversion. So despite his newfound freedom in Christ, Paul is seeking only to serve others by bringing the gospel to them and thus expanding God's kingdom. Paul is seeking to go into the world and win souls to God by bringing God's gospel message far and wide to people that have never clearly understood the magnitude of what Jesus accomplished for them on the cross. So we need to be living sacrificially in the same way Paul did after he was converted. And we need to be giving up our lives just like he was to produce more souls that are bound for eternity with God in heaven. So with all of these things on this big funnel in mind, I think we can have a much greater understanding of the way we can think about evangelism and the way we can value it more in our lives. So yeah, this is fun. Um, so I do want to go ahead and preface this next part by saying that I do not want to diminish the value and importance of each evangelism in any way. I think that even just for me personally, it's been a really great opportunity to get more practice and having spiritual conversations with people and hopefully to also have been a light in the lives of people who come across something. So I do want to point out, however, that evangelism will likely look a little bit different when we get back to campus. So during beach evangelism, we're going out, having these conversations, and we just kind of have to pray that the seed we planted will be sown by somebody else in that person's life. But on campus, we're the ones that get to both plant and sow those seeds. So that makes evangelism on campus more exciting because you have opportunities for follow-up, long-term evangelism and discipleship, but it also makes it much more challenging. So how can we go back to campus and continue to evangelize to our friends, our peers, who don't know the Lord? How can we go from that initial evangelism of witnessing and testifying that we've been practicing on the beach to the long-term evangelism of personal outreach, fishing for men, soul winning that we need to be seeking out on our campuses and in our lives? So for me personally, I think the biggest thing was just adopting the evangelistic mindset that enables you to have that true desire to go out and preach the gospel to everyone. 
So this last school year was the first year that I desired to share my faith with others. And when I first went out and tried to do it, I was terrified. And I did not feel prepared at all to take the gospel to the world. So luckily, I was able to kind of put those fears and insecurities behind for the sake of passing on the gospel of Christ. And I uh, was able to meet some really cool guys. So these insecurities, these anxieties, these fears are likely going to pop up for all of you guys when you get back on campus in the fall. And uh, yeah, but luckily for us, we can look to God's word. So same thing with the next slide. We got 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Kind of long, but bear with me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan that harassed me to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So through this, we can see that God uses our weaknesses to make us stronger through Christ. And I hope that this encourages all of you, that God is constantly working in us for the furthering of his kingdom and his glory. And so because of this, I hope we can now kind of think about putting aside those anxieties and worries because of the grace of God that is so heavy in our lives. And this can help us exponentially in going out and doing evangelism. So I'm also hopeful that, again, rolling it back to beach evangelism, hopeful the practice we've been getting through that will uh, just help us again to go back to campus and minister more effectively than we've been able to before. So now I want to talk about some practical ways in which we can pursue long-term evangelism in our lives. So before I get started with this next slide, I do want to throw a quick disclaimer out there. We need to remember that when we're pursuing relationships with others, it needs to be with the mindset of developing a relationship that can be marked by the same type of love that Christ showed us on the cross. We're not just going out there trying to invite people into our cults like some people think this should we are going out to love others more than we love ourselves. So what better way to exemplify this love than by sharing the greatest news in the world with the people of your life? So now, let's go and talk about this practical stuff. You can make the slides, Sam. So something I was told about a year or so ago when I was starting to desire evangelism and discipling others uh, helped me amazingly in the way that I thought about uh, pursuing different people for long-term evangelism was the phrase, small asks lead to big asks. So what this means is that rather than just kind of force-feeding the gospel down someone's throat when you first meet them, we should strive to develop an external relationship that can enable us to have more successful internal and eternal conversations later on. Like we talk about later in the summer. So I'm not saying this to say that you should never mention the gospel right away and that it's taboo and it's a big no-no. I'm just saying that it can sometimes be beneficial to form kind of a surface-level connection first so that whoever you're, whoever you're talking to, your audience, might be more receptive to gospel truths. I mean, they would if they, they were talking to a friend rather than just a random person on the street. So I was also told in preparation for this talk by Chase Walker that relationships can be compared to bank accounts. Kind of along the same vein. So if you want to withdraw money from your bank account, you have to make a deposit or two in it first. If your bank account's empty, you're not going to be able to withdraw any money, obviously. So in the same way, if you're thinking about relationships in this way, we have to make relational deposits into the lives of others before we can make a withdrawal that could result in saving faith in Christ. So... For me, for instance, personally, when I was first getting involved in CEO, like I mentioned in my testimony, wasn't a Christian. So I knew they were a campus ministry after a couple conversations with them. But the first things I was invited to do were do stuff like this ball, play spike ball, go play cards, be invited over to people's houses. And then eventually I was told, Sam, you're a sinner, you can't save yourself. <laughs> um, so yeah. 
I uh, truly believe that without all those small asks coming before the big asks of Bible studies, fall retreat, New Year's conference, and then even summer project, I would not be here today. I just wouldn't. So again, going back to Hannah's hospitality talk, this can give us so many ideas for these small asks, these relational deposits. It can help us grow, again, in the discipline of personal outreach. We can share a meal, play a game, just go to the store, really the options are endless. To make these deposits and develop these relationships so that they can be as fruitful or as glorifying to God as possible. Same thing for the next slide. So, this can definitely all sound really challenging, really taxing, to pour so much of yourself out to others, to essentially learn how to give your life away, which is what we're called to do. There are so many sacrifices that can come in pursuing long-term evangelism, which can include time, money, sleep, so many other things that can make it seem like it's just not worth our time, just not worth the effort. But I can assure you guys that all of these things are 100% worth it. And the other end of the bargain, what you get out of it, is these gospel-centered relationships with others, and then maybe even seeing men come to saving faith in Jesus, which I promise you is so amazing. So again, I want to remind you all as well that going forth, spreading the gospel, making disciples, it's not an option. Talked about it a ton, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, the Great Commission. Jesus commands his disciples to go forth and make disciples of all nations. So this command still applies to us today, like we talked about. But our goal in this is not just to make converts, it's to make disciples. Disciples who we are giving our lives away to, while teaching and training them to be a follower of Christ. And then you have that multiplication process that we talked about before. I also want us to remember that this call is not just a command for us, it is a joy. We get to have the pleasure of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who don't know him. It's a command, but it's also so great, because the gospel is the greatest news that anyone could ever receive. So we need to spend our lives proclaiming it to anyone and everyone, especially the people who are closest to in our lives who may not know him. In my own personal experience, evangelizing and then discipling others over this last year has been such a transforming experience. I've been able to see more of God's character and how he has enabled me to share the gospel and enabled them to respond to his message. I've also been able to see incredible growth in myself, has been able to see more of my sin through my efforts in reaching others. And obviously it's been amazing to see the growth and change in the lives of the men I've been reaching. So all that stuff is just me, the impact it's had on me. Think about the impact it's had on the guys or girls that you reach. I mean, they could be saved forever, eternally. So there are so many reasons why we should pursue this long-term evangelism but if we're just asking ourselves one question to sum it all up, do the challenges of this type of evangelism outweigh the promises that God has given us? I think the answer is no. I think his promises are much greater than his challenges. So, my goal this morning in this talk, I just want to encourage you guys. Encourage you to continue to take evangelism seriously as we leave Project and head back to our campuses. Here on Project, we've been going out doing beach evangelism every week, kind of training every week. Probably not going to be doing beach evangelism in Minnesota. Or Kentucky. Or Missouri. Illinois. Where? So, just keep taking it seriously. Keep taking it seriously as you go back home. God has given all of you his spirit, not only so that you can inherit eternal salvation with him, but also so that you can spread the good, the good news to as many people as possible so they might inherit it as well. So again, the impact that all of this stuff, this long-term evangelism can have on your own life and the lives of others, can't be overstated. I can't advocate for it enough. And throughout this entire summer, throughout all these evangelism trainings, we've learned 
how evangelism is a fundamental impact, this fundamental aspect of a life lived entirely for the glory of Christ. So one final challenge to you all. I want to go back to Matthew 4, where Jesus calls two of his disciples to fishers of men. So, we read 18 and 19. Verse 20. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. So ask yourself, do I value the gospel of Christ enough to make it the chief priority in my life? Do I value it enough sharing it with others is the chief priority in my life? Am I willing to drop everything to follow him for the sake of bringing others to Christ? So let's go forth and move our lives with the same faithfulness as Peter and Andrew did. We can go back to campus with a new heart and a new mindset and ministering to the lost world. So now throw some reflection questions, discussion questions. What types of challenges to long-term evangelism do you feel are present in your life? What promises has God given us that can make evangelism worth the challenge? And then how can you be thinking intentionally for the lost souls on your campus? Take a couple minutes, reflect on that, discuss that with someone next to you, and we'll come back and do a workshop. Um, but yeah, I want you guys to continue thinking about this. Again, we don't want the things that we've learned here to stay here. Definitely not an evangelism training. Um, so yeah, just keep having conversations about it, whether it's with people in your room, on your team, at Walmart, definitely on your campus, whoever else. Uh, so yeah, now we're going to move to our workshop. It's another diagram. So it should be helpful for you guys as well as evangelically in some situations. So we're going to do the throne diagram. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of that. Ethan's laughing. I feel like he's heard of it. <laughs> All right. So the throne diagram. Before we get started with it, it's really important for the throne diagram. I want you guys to go ahead and take the time out to list some things in your life that are important to you. Things in your life you value. It doesn't have to be too many, maybe like five to ten things. I'll give you a couple minutes to do that. All right. Keep writing if you feel the need to. But really quick, the reason why I picked this diagram, I think it's been really beneficial for me in the way I think about my life. So this is kind of an introspective, like reflective, what does my life look like? And then you can also use it evangelically, but I would really only use it in the long term long-term capacity we've been talking about this morning. You'll kind of know what I'm talking about, but you probably don't want to sit down with somebody and share this um, like you do the first drive. It probably just won't be as effective as it could be if you're continuing to develop a strong relationship with them and continuing to pour into them. Um, so yeah, quick disclaimer before we click on. My slides got messed up on the transfer. They look great on my computer, but less pretty on Sam's computer. So I'll do my best to explain, and uh, that's why it looks kind of messy to you know, this one. So, <laughs> so, so we have this circle we've got this little chair looking thing in the middle which again looks great on my computer so the circle represents your life and the chair in the middle is the throne of your life so for me all the things in the circle in my life were things that were important to me so my family my friends school for now still pretty important to me Girlfriend, job, and sports. I don't play sports. 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, those are some things that were important to me. I could list so many more, but yeah, this is what I went with for this. So, in this circle, this diagram, the person on the throne is self, putting yourself on the throne. And then you see the cross outside the circle. The cross is not a part of your life. This is, this is hopefully not a depiction of my life right now. But uh, yeah, there, so there, I probably should have prefaced this real quick. There are three different diagrams that kind of show you what your life looks like, what the life of somebody else is like. So this is the first one. This is someone that Christ is just not a part of their life at all. So I used my uh, stuff in there, family, friends, all that stuff. So this is what someone's life would look like if Jesus was not a part of their life. They're on the throne. All the other stuff is just part of their life. Jesus is not a part of it. You could also, I didn't throw this up there, but you could also, if sports are more important to you than you are to yourself, which sometimes that happens to me, uh, sports could be on the throne, and yourself could just be a part of your life. But all you need to know really is that Jesus is not a part of it, the cross is not a part of it. So now you click on the next one. All right, so same thing, same six stuff, but now the cross is part of your life. So you accepted Jesus into your heart, Lord and Savior, you do a lot of fun stuff with campus outreach, here on some of the projects. Jesus is part of your life. And that's great. But he's not on the throne. You're still on the throne. Jesus is just another part of your life. Jesus has relatively the same amount of significance as all of the other stuff in the circle does. So now you click on the final slide, final diagram. Now, self. Just another part of your life. But Jesus is on the throne of your life. But yeah, I think uh, this has been so beneficial for me. Um, we've talked a bit this summer about making Jesus the foundation of your life. Um, I thought about throwing that's a that text in Matthew up there, but we've all heard it. Um, so yeah, building our foundation on the solid rock rather than on the sinking sand. Jesus is the solid rock. Everything else is sinking sand. Everything else in this world. Even the good things, like family and friends and school. Like all of this stuff up here is it's not inherently bad. You might have some inherently bad stuff that you're still holding on to. But even stuff like your family is, I mean, it's good. You should definitely value your family. But what are you valuing most? What is the main priority in your life? Kind of like I mentioned in the talk. Is it yourself? Is it something else in your life? Or is it the cross? Is it what Jesus did for you? Is he, are you laying down the trophies of your life at his feet? Are you accepting that he is Lord over your life, not yourself? Are you ceasing? Are you giving up control to Christ? That's essentially what I'm asking. So, like I said, this is meant to be kind of introspective. You can kind of look at yourself, look at yourself in the mirror. I would say Jesus is probably a part of all your guys' life. But where is he in this circle that represents our life? Is he up on the throne? Or is he just another part along with your family? But this can also be used really well in an evangelistic setting. So now that I've shared the diagram with you guys, you probably don't want to walk up to someone in the cafeteria who you've never had a conversation with. Share this because maybe they don't fully understand the gospel. Maybe they've never heard it before. Maybe they think they understand the gospel, but they don't. Maybe they've accepted Jesus in their heart, maybe they haven't yet. 
So that's kind of where the point we need to get to in evangelism before this diagram can really become useful. Maybe if you share this with someone right off the bat, it'd be really cool. They'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Like, I'd like to do Jesus a little bit in my life, which I guess I didn't mention that that should probably be what we're going for, this, uh, this last one. So we've got this long-term evangelism, like we talked about, with like hospitality and personal outreach, witnessing, testifying to others. So then eventually you get to the point where you're pouring into them, hopefully sharing the gospel with them. And then you're just like, hey, like, what does your life look like? What are the things that are important to you in your life? And everyone has things that are important to them, obviously. And I just put six up here, and I had you guys do like five or ten. You can pretty much write all day about stuff that's important to you in your life, no matter how small it is, because it's part of your life. And most of you guys probably read Jesus in there. Uh, probably wrote Jesus is something that's important to you. It is even most important. And asking that question to somebody who you're evangelizing, discipling, can be really beneficial for them to look in the mirror of their own life and recognize, like, hey, maybe Jesus isn't as big a part of my life as I thought. Maybe Jesus isn't part of my life at all. Um, yeah, I think I think that's really cool. I think that's a really great opportunity for us to kind of encourage someone else to look in the mirror of their own faith and see whether it is strong whether it is what they think it is. Because I think it's really easy, especially when you're initially evangelizing to someone. I mean, luckily we live in a country where Christianity is not exactly, we're not super persecuted for our faith. It's not illegal to be a Christian. So a lot of people would say that they're Christians. So if you come across someone that's like, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and then you share this with them, maybe Jesus isn't on the throne of their life. But he should be. Um, so, one final thing I want to share with you guys is that, uh, so last year for a Louisville Summer Project, we went to Pensacola, Florida for two and a half weeks, and it was sweet. So, during one of the talks, there was a uh, staff member from Northern Kentucky University, his name's Aaron Wilson, and I don't even remember what the main concept of the talk was. Something he said really stuck with me. So, Jesus should be the foundation of our life foundation of our house, not just another room in your house. Mm, right? Yeah. So, Jesus should be the foundation of your house, not just another room in your house. Jesus might be, on any given day, it kind of changes to me what Jesus is. He might be living room, he might be the entire downstairs. He might be a really tiny closet. He might be out in the yard. But we need to be striving to make Jesus the foundation of our life, the foundation of our household. Everything else, every other thing we're filling this circle with, is influenced by our love for Christ. And we need to be encouraging others to think about it in the same way. So yeah, again, probably wouldn't share this right off the bat. It's probably not going to be as effective if you are pursuing an external relationship, sharing the gospel with them a couple times. But I think storing this up, not only for your own self-reflection, but also encouraging others to do the same could be really beneficial. So uh, Sam, we put the next slide. So I have all of them kind of here. Um, so if you want to like, if you haven't gone yet, if you want to really quickly do that. Um, so yeah, circles, again, your life, fill it in with all the stuff that's important to you. Um, so what does your life look like? 
encouraging others to uh, look at it in the same way. Um, so yeah, I guess if you guys want to have, um, want to reflect on that, want to discuss with the person next to you, maybe what your life looks like. Again, it might fluctuate from day to day. For me, I feel like it does. Some days I feel like Jesus is Lord of my life. Some days I feel like I want all the control. Um, so yeah, just uh, we can discuss that for a few minutes, and then we'll uh, get started saying the future evangelism and all that good stuff. So I just give you guys a couple minutes. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.